Welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry going. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. So on today's episode, episode five, we sit down with Jeff Seifert, who is the co-founder and COO of SnapCount. Really enjoyed this conversation, learning about Jeff's background in entrepreneurship, where he sees the lighting industry going and discussing his daily non-negotiables and how he hopes to pass some of these principles down to his children. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a five-star review. So we really think you're going to enjoy this episode. So let's drop in. All right, welcome everyone to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we sit down with Jeff Seifert, the co-founder and COO of SnapCount. Jeff, welcome to the show. Jim, thanks for having me today. Pleasure. Yeah, of course, of course. So I I know I promised we weren't going to talk about COVID-19 or the civil unrest. (laughs) Yeah, right. What's going on? Uh, Or the civil unrest that's happening in our country right now. So, um, but I'm curious, how have you and your team been adjusting and adapting to the market over the last couple of months? You know, that's a great question. Uh, it, really, it hasn't changed our workflow very much. We're a, a tech company and uh, we do have some remote workers anyway. We have uh, folks out in Oregon and Florida and, you know, uh, south, north, east and west. And uh, but we do have a, a large on premise uh, group. But because we are so digital, we use Slack. Um, you know, everyone's on email. Uh, we have different, uh, you know, SharePoint uh, services. Uh, Most you know, a lot of folks are coders. So we're pretty used to remote work. So really, we didn't really miss a beat in, in the whole slowdown process. And, um, you know, we're, we've uh, opened up our office officially, uh, but we're, it's the option of whether or not folks, you know, want to come back or continue to work remotely. People walking be- around with face masks? We, uh, the, the way it works is that if they can't maintain an adequate social distance uh, in the common areas, then of course a, a mask is required. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, again, we don't want to go too far down this path, but uh, just curious how, how <laughs> yeah. you guys are adapting, right? Everyone's got their own version, small businesses, big businesses, everyone's oh, sure. just to, to what's going on. So, um, so yeah. yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, if, sure. if you could, you know, give us a background on, on you and kind of how you got started and, and how you founded uh, sure. SnapCount here. Well, uh, my background has been enterprise software for, you know, the past couple of decades. Don't want to date myself too much here. Um, but I work with some large technology companies, um, some small startups as well. And I typically was in sales or led sales. One in particular was a Silicon Valley uh, venture back startup, which we took to IPO. And that was really, really exciting. And uh, after that, I started my own data analytics company. And uh, I bootstrapped that one and experienced the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And just for the record, ups are better than downs. Um, and then in 2011, I uh, joined with my brothers, uh, Mike and Rodney, and their friend, Mark Simmons, who had created some very real interesting web-based applications that they could tailor to a specific industry workflow. And uh, it was really, really uh, prov- providing, uh, making hay for these companies. They could get very efficient. They could scale without the uh, typical reliance on a linear headcount growth model. 
And uh, so I joined forces with them and really took up the sales, marketing, and operations uh, function of it. And one of the first things we decided to do was we really needed to specialize versus, you know, going after many markets, really, we really needed to focus on a very unique vertical. And they had already had some clients in the lighting management space. And so we really started looking at that and we, we uh, did some research and it was really when the whole idea of the LED initiative was uh, gaining a foothold. And, uh, and so what we did is we took all the technical know-how in terms of workflow and field services and mobile application development. And we really went deep in the, uh, the space of retrofit. And we peeled the onion back. We, uh, we worked with a lot of different customers and prospects. We followed them around. We really wanted to understand every corner of the marketplace and really understand the use cases and how people live in the field. And uh, the result of that was, uh, was SnapCount. And uh, so far, it's been a great run. It's, we've got hundreds of companies and thousands of users, and uh, we're just getting started. We've got a lot more innovation to deliver, and it's just been an exciting ride so far. And uh, we're looking forward to the next uh, you know, number of years to, to continue doing what we're doing. Yeah, so it sounds like you got uh, you got a little bit of entrepreneurship coursing through your veins there. So this isn't the first company you started. So what? It's a family thing. It's a family thing. All right. So so where when did that start? Like when did it? When did you get like the entrepreneurial itch, and why did you go down that path initially? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I grew up in just a whole family of entrepreneurs. Um, my father was a serial entrepreneur, and ironically enough, in the in the real estate and construction space. Uh, so we really, you know, kind of got it as a double whammy from the background that he provided. Uh, we had uncles that were, you know, started companies in various different industrial spaces. And um, I think probably from the time I could walk, I was always selling something. I was uh, the kid that, you know, in the back of the comic book, um, there was, a, I sold seeds and greeting cards and I had a newspaper route, mowed lawns, uh, you know, anything that we could do to, uh, to sell and deliver. Um, both uh, myself and my brothers, you know, they both have entrepreneur, uh, you know, backgrounds as well. So it, I, I don't think there was a time when we weren't entrepreneurs. All right. All right. Taking on a, taking on a little bit of risk there. So 2011, you guys started, started SnapCount and it sounded like what you, what you mentioned there, there was some sort of a connection to, to lighting. So at what point did you guys see the opportunity, like, wow, this whole energy retrofit, lighting retrofit world. I mean, there, there's a big market there. Was there, sure. um, not to use a pun, but was there a light bulb moment for you where you saw, <laughs> hey, this, this is going to be yeah. huge? Yeah, there are no puns in this industry that, that are ever used. <laughs> uh, you know, we... We were, we were working in the lighting, you know, management arena. And, you know, one of the things we, we found was that um, automating and workflow automation and really making people very productive enabled a company to scale. There was one company we were working with, and I won't name the names to protect the innocent. You know, they scaled up to a $30 million run rate with less than 20 employees. And, uh, and it was really about just um, the timing and the logistics of having all the project information and uh, site survey data in the right place at the right time with the right amount of detail. And, uh, it, you know, obviously back in the day, uh, a retrofit was, or, a, you know, a maintenance operation was either doing a relamp, uh, a swap. It was, uh, you know, kind of a group relamping, a scheduled maintenance procedure. You know, and as we got deeper and deeper in there, we started to see the, the promise of what the LED could deliver. 
Uh, of course, we, we hit the circuit of Lightfair and Naumco and really wanted to understand at a very deep level, you know, what type of possibility. Uh, the LED was just taking off at the time, and, uh, and it, we kind of read the tea leaves and said, well, wait a minute, if this really has the efficacy that it promises, this could grow up to be quite an industry. And so I think that and we started working with a number of prospects, really understood that their needs are. And, uh, you know, they were all in, you know, from day one. And we just continued to improve, uh, work on the solution. I always say that, you know, software takes three things, time, money and hammers, because it has to be hammered in the field uh, by thousands of interactions before it's really a viable product. It really needs to withstand the test of time. And so there's a lot of patients that are involved in that, too. And as we kind of evolve the product line and the service offering, we really got to see kind of the growth potential behind the LED boom and also the non-lighting you know, energy efficiency measures as well. And for anyone listening that maybe isn't like living in the world of LED lighting and, and energy retrofit specifically, maybe they're just in the, the broad industry of, of energy and building efficiency. Can you just give us a, a real simple version of, of who SnapCount is, like your sure. the elevator pitch, if you will? Absolutely. So, I, I mean, any time that someone um, approaches a building and really needs to assess its energy consumption and the possibility of it becoming more efficient, usually they conduct something called an audit or a survey. Um, which is walking through the building, really determining the current measures uh, and the state of uh, energy consumption that it now has. What SnapCount does is it digitizes that from the very first encounter with that building through the building walkthrough with floor plans and photographs and a lot of detailed data capture. Uh, it totally takes them out of the data, you know, uh, the data reentry process and it accelerates their ability to provide a proposal that has material and labor and recycling and HVAC savings and maintenance savings and get a very compelling proposal back to the customer in record time. And it also enables them to mobilize that project much more quickly and efficiently so they can really, uh, you know, deliver on that promise that they've, uh, that they've given to that customer uh, in terms of energy savings and a very quality installation um, of what that energy efficiency project could be. And everybody that you've presented this solution to has said, yes, they've signed on the dotted line right away, right? Oh, of course. Uh, and, and don't we wish that were the case? You know, of course, like any sales cycle, you know, sometimes it, it just, it takes time. And, uh, you know, the, the construction industry has a lot of positive to it. It's a, it's a rock solid industry. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming digital at its own pace in some ways. Um, and we find uh, that, uh, you know, there, of course, there, there are innovators. The larger companies tend to have uh, the capital budgets to try things out. Um, and kind of the middle market, uh, they are getting much more innovative, especially when they see that opportunity. But we're, we're starting to see the adoption rates really click up at this point in time. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we wish we had had a hundred percent close rate and, uh, don't we all, I'm open to ideas on that one there. Yeah. All right. All right. Maybe, maybe one day we'll, uh, we'll crack that code. So what would you say, you may have touched on it there, but what would you say is like the, the biggest ob objection that you've, you've run into in the past? And I'm sure it's changed over the, the nine year history of the company. So what type of objections are you running into here recently where you find like, Hey, this, this is really a hurdle that we have to overcome and kind of educate our customers on who we are. Well, you know, I would say probably like anything, the status quo is always your biggest competitor. Uh, you know, a lot of people have done things manually, you know, and you know, what I find is that you've got kind of the, the uh, more mature generation 
who has have used a 25-year-old process of paper and spreadsheets in the field, and, and that's what they're comfortable with. Uh, there could be some pride in development. They might have developed a package internally or through an outside group, or they might have uh, gotten friendly with the macro features in Excel, and it, they've just got some some built pride, you know, in that solution. So I would say status quo and just taking the time uh, to change. You know, one of the things you find is that once people digitize, they never want to go back. And uh, the other dimension that we're seeing is that you're starting to see the next generation kind of take over some of these more family-oriented companies. And these are folks that have uh, grown up, you know, with an iPhone in their crib, and they're way more digital. They expect everything to be digital. They expect their vendors to to uh, deal with them in a digital manner. So their expectations and their, you know, their paradigm is completely uh, in the digital camp. Um, so I would say the, the number one objection is kind of status quo. And, you know, I, we slowly see that changing as well. I think this is a perfect transition point. So I'm going to ask you to dust off your crystal ball here and look into the future. Um, I think everyone's trying to predict uh, where we're going. Let's, let's just keep it in the context of, of the lighting kind of energy retrofit industry. You know, so where do you see the industry going and how do you see SnapCount positioned to capitalize on where you see the industry going? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, where we see it going is just think of kind of where the tech industry has going, has gone. Um, you know, I remember back in, I don't know if you remember the, you know, the PC wars back in the day. It, it's, uh, and, and Moore's law with, uh, you know, with, uh, the chip technology is that processing speeds would double, you know, every 18 months. And, you know, here you have, uh, at least in the lighting sector, you've got a, you know, an industry that, is uh, managing these high-tech innovations, uh, solid-state lighting, that the efficacy is just growing exponentially, yet they're using kind of 1970s, you know, business practices. Uh, but what we find that's it's kind of happening in all industries is that people are becoming more digital, more virtual, and more interconnected. You know, we're, we're finding that people really now are starting to embrace and Part of it is, you mentioned COVID earlier, is that that's kind of forcing their hand to become more digital and virtual, is that they really need to kind of automate every dimension from the very first encounter with a customer till the time they wrap up a project. Um, and, and we also see them looking at their their customer mix a little bit different too. They, you know, where they may have focused on onesies, twosies, they may look more at national accounts or working with ESCOs or obviously IoT offers an incredible in, uh, opportunity uh, to deliver more savings to the customer, uh, but also increase the revenue opportunity and the sophistication uh, of the firm that needs to kind of manage that IoT implementation. We also see kind of a, an interconnected supply chain. Um, if you look at the dance that happens right now, when a contractor needs to get a quote from a distributor and ultimately a manufacturer, there's a whole litany of email and export and import and retyping. And uh, there's just a, a whole, uh, you know, element of uh, inefficiencies that happen currently in the supply chain. So we see that supply chain becoming more digital and tightening up a lot more. Um, we see people, the gig economy is, has really grown. Um, and especially as customer or, you know, contractors look to grow, uh, it can't always be, well, let me wait till I have enough demand so I can hire a full-time person. Uh, they may need to do partnerships with other companies or find a subcontractor that's qualified, maybe to go out and do an audit or help them with an installation or maybe specify a different solution. So we, we see kind of this uh, gig economy and this kind of virtual workforce 
uh, also playing into, you know, where things are going. And of course, there's different ways to finance, you know, opportunities now and rebate. The rebate market is is changing in a lot of different ways. And and big data is also playing uh, a big role. People are getting much more analytical in how they kind of map out the future, uh, the data they consume, the data they have available and how they evaluate their opportunities and the resources that they use in-house. So I would say that's a that's a long litany of things, but I see, you know, more digital, more virtual, more interconnected with your trading partners. Well, it sounds like you've obviously given this some thought. You have to, right? You know, as a Well, one CEO of the things too is we, we did a, a couple weeks ago, um, we uh, delivered a showcase. That was our Lightfair replacement. Lightfair tends to be a large show for us. And uh, we had 25 different sessions. Uh, we had some industry gurus and experts. We had our manufacturing partners uh, giving presentations. So over two days, there were 25 different sessions. And uh, so a lot of this content is very, it's fresh off the top of my mind. And, you know, it's something that everyone is really taking seriously in this industry. You know, the way we've gone about it is changing year over year compared to, you know, how things were done recently. Sure. No, I think this is uh, I think this is great. And I appreciate you sharing all the info and kind of how you got started here and where you see the industry going. And I wanted to transition here to kind of the final part of our podcast where we uh, we ask you four really tough questions. So hopefully you're uh, hopefully you're prepared to um, to dive in on these. So the first one I had for you, Jeff, what are your daily non-negotiables? Well, that's a great question. I uh, tend to get up pretty early in the morning and, uh, you know, I, you know, that's kind of uh, my time to kind of refocus, but I would say, you know, I've got four, you know, primary non-negotiables. It's faith, family, friends, and fitness. You know, I really try to spend some time uh, doing a devotion in the morning. I, uh, I typically work out at least five times a, a week. Um, and ultimately those core values, you know, I, I would say it's something that I really want to instill in my kids want them to have the same core values. And really what I'm trying to do is, is raise them to become self-reliant problem solvers. Um, you know, and those kinds of core values can really help them, you know, live a life of success. And so, you know, to me, those are the most important things. Uh, if, if I get those things right, everything else just seems to kind of fall in place. I'm, I'm with you there. The power of routine. Uh, I try to, I try to do something very similar myself. Um, so, so the next question here, Let's rewind the clock. Uh, you're just graduating from Ohio State? Uh, Ohio State, that's correct. Okay, 22-year-old Jeff, what advice would you give to your 22-year-old self coming out of college? You know, that's a great question because the advice I would give my 22-year-old self, uh, I'm assuming that I'm placing that 22-year-old self in, uh, in 2020, um, it would be very similar to the advice of VP of sales that you know one of my first jobs gave me. Uh, he, his, his advice was, stay flexible, right? Become a diverse learner. Uh, the worst thing you can do is to get stuck in your lane and not be able to change lanes. You know, and, and if you look at that, that was back, I'm not going to tell you what year that was. It was a few years ago. <laughs> um, but even more so now, the world is changing at a ever rapid pace. And, uh, you know, the best way to become obsolete is to kind of stick to one niche. And so to really kind of understand if you're in sales or you provide, you know, uh, customer support, try to look at the world through your customer's eyes uh, or your investor's eyes or through whoever you're working with. Look at it through their eyes and then you can anticipate what they might need and then learn. You know, you and I were talking about, 
uh, and prep for this is that it's so easy to learn things now. You've got YouTube out there. You've got all different types of online learning environments. Uh, I would say become well-rounded and flexible and be able to, to kind of pivot uh, as the world changes. No, that's great. That's great advice. And, you know, I think we're still at that point. You know, it's time of this recording. It's June 3rd. So I think a lot of new graduates are still trying to find their way in the world after graduating from college. So they might be trying to is- find the link to the virtual graduation at this point. <laughs> right. right. Uh, so, so, Jeff, what uh, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, there was a uh, and again, I, all these things probably date me, but uh, there was a, a, a motivational speaker. His name was Earl Nightingale back in probably the 70s, 80s. He wrote a book called The Strangest Secret. And one of the things he did is he defined success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal or a worthy goal, you know, or a worthy cause. And, you know, to me, if I, you know, as as I work with our team and we set goals for each other, to me, what, what motivates me is to see those goals achieved. Obviously they don't happen overnight. I wish they happened faster, but to see them progressively unwind and get delivered and become, you know, products become real, uh, sales get delivered, uh, customers become happy, those goals, you know, that's what motivates me is to see a plan come together and to see our team really achieve those goals together. That's what, uh, that's, that's what gets me out of the bed in the morning. Excellent. As they say. Yeah. And, and Jeff, last question here, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? Well, you know, that's a, that's probably the toughest question you have here. And you know, the thing for me is no easy ones here. Yeah. No no softballs. I, uh, you know, the, it's probably not a really good kind of tech answer, but you know, I don't obsess over legacy. I really don't, you know, I guess, you know, if I were to think of it, I want to leave the world, you know, a better place than I found it. Um, I want to point, you know, others to the savior, encourage them to love others and help others. And really, you know, if I can bring out the talents and abilities of others to help them maximize their own potential, uh, then I think that would be a legacy for me. And, you know, I don't even care if they they don't remember me, quite frankly. I, you know, it's, it's, it's really not about me. Uh, it's just about what we can accomplish and, you know, how we can make the world maybe slightly better uh, than we, when we got here. Well, I think that's a perfect way to round out our show here, Jeff. We really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for the time, man. Absolutely, Jim. Great. Ha- uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Take care. All right. So there you have it. Episode five with Jeff Seifert. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you did, consider subscribing to the channel, leaving a review or sharing with a friend or colleague. And we hope you tune in to episode six dropping next week. Until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.